uh, Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. And we will start in verse 7. Uh, I have a new heading. We've already gone over the first uh, paragraph. The heading division. And I have the second one for you. So uh, I'll give you the first one again. Just to kind of give you an idea of what we already covered. The first one is the believer is dead to the law. That's verses 1 through 6. The believer is dead to the law. The second heading that we're going to see is Paul's post-conversion run-in with the law. That's verses 7 through 13. Paul's post-conversion run-in with the law. Verses 7 through 13. Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Whenever you're there, say amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read through verse 13. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding Sinful. My dad is not going to do the reading this time, so Sarah's going to uh, fill in for that role. So Sarah's the new pastor. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so like we said, Paul's post-conversion run in with the law. So this is Paul's saved, and then the law is introduced to him. Again, because Paul is a Jew, so he would have already been introduced to the law. But he gets saved, and then a, a law, some one part of the law is introduced back into his Christian walk. And what Paul describes here is what he experienced when that happened. Okay? So, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, no, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? That now addresses the question of law, the law of Moses, as to its purpose and effect. Paul uses past tense in verses 7 through 13. The rest of the chapter is in present tense. So right here in verses 7 through 13 is all past tense, whereas the rest is all present tense. So that's why I say Paul's giving you an example of something that happened to him in the past. Mm -hmm. 
Paul gives his own experience as a Christian before he came into the knowledge of Romans chapter 6. So Paul doesn't understand Romans chapter 6 and this part that he's going to explain to us. All he knows is law. So he's going to show you and explain how that affected him in his attempt to live this Christian life. Paul was saved, filled with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, experienced a supernatural change in his life and heart, and still, to his dismay, he found that he could not live the type of life he wanted to live, and in fact, must live. He found himself failing and failing repeatedly. His willpower was being overridden by the powers of darkness, which left him confused as to what was really happening. This brought him to the place of desperation and despair. And we see that in verse 24 when he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now, I said something in that little paragraph I just read you in my notes that sometimes it's, people really don't understand it. That Because I said that his, his will was being overridden. By the power of darkness. We, we say, well, sin is a choice. It is to a certain extent. You either choose to go God's way or you don't. If you choose to go another way, sin dominates. Mm -hmm. So the choice isn't, do I commit this sin or do I not, as much as it is, am I going to place my faith in what Christ has done or am I not? If you choose not, you will be dominated by sin. Maybe nobody else can see it, but you will know in your own heart and life, you're being dominated by sin. There's something happening in your life that you can't stop. Yeah. And you don't know how to stop. And you don't even understand why you can't stop. Yeah. So that's the extent that it can override your will. But to, to just say, well, you choose to sin or not, we see in the rest of Romans 7, that can't be true. Paul, who is saved, is crying things out that an unsaved person wouldn't say. Yeah. An unsaved person would never say, I'm doing things that I, I don't even, I'm doing things I don't want to do and I don't understand. If you're unsaved, you ain't crying that out. <laughs> you want to say it's all, it's all over you. You want to say that your whole life is sin. Yes. But a saved person, your whole life is not sin. Yes. But yet, Paul found that he was doing stuff that he didn't even want to do. Yes. He's committing sins he didn't even want to commit. He's having covetousness in his heart, and he sees it, and, and the law points it out and says, that's covetousness, Paul. That's wrong. And he says, yeah, I know it's wrong, but I don't understand why it's there. Knowing that it's wrong and it's worthy of death because of that covetousness in his heart. So, to a certain extent, our will can be overridden by the powers of darkness, and but only after we choose our object of faith. If you choose Christ and the cross as your object of faith, that can't happen because you have the help of the Holy Spirit. If you don't and you choose your own way, you have no help. Yeah. You're on your own. And you can't defeat the powers of darkness by yourself. Yeah. I hear a lot of stuff from Christians that almost like we're ready to pick a fight with the enemy or powers of darkness. You're a fool. They're stronger than you'll ever be. It's Christ that's the one that's strong. But yet, 
all, all the time. It's like, we ready for it. We ready for a fight that without Christ, you, you have no shot. You'll never win. But sometimes Christians forget the fact that it's Christ. And we start, there's actually a passage of scripture. I can't even tell you where it's at right now. Maybe my dad can or brother Adam. But um, it talks about proclaiming things about, try to just make it simple here, about uh, spiritual entities, whether Satan or whatever. Uh, and, it, and it actually says that they basically speak of things they have no idea about. But yet, Jude. Uh, Jude, yeah, Jude. And uh, it said that, but that the archangel Michael, when speaking to Lucifer, basically face to face, wouldn't even go there. He just said, The Lord rebuke you. The archangel Michael, who I believe is the highest angel that there is, and yet he wouldn't even dare even bring an accusation against Satan and just said, the Lord rebuke you. But yet you got Christians all over the world ready to pounce like we are amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. Christ is the one that is amazing. Yes. Christ. Do you have that scripture? Uh, yeah, Mike, Michael the archangel was contending with the devil. He disputed uh, about the body of Moses. Does not bring an accu uh, not against him a railing accusation, but said the Lord rebuke thee. Boasting is the context of that. That Christians can sometimes we boast like you know I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to go defeat the devil today. I'm going to go after him. We're going devil hunting. Well, you look at that. It was then that the Lord gave him, gave Paul, the great truth of the double cure in Romans chapter 6. He learned that Jesus not only paid the sin debt at Calvary, but as well broke the dominion of sin in the believer's life. Even though the believer is a new creation in Christ Jesus, still the sin nature remains alive in that believer, which could spring to life very quickly, which Paul had experienced. So Paul would experience, in Romans chapter 7, Paul's going to experience a revived sin nature because he was saved from the Lord with all the sorrow, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he experienced a sin nature that was active again in his heart and life. That's what we see play out in Romans chapter 7. Paul learned that the believer actually died in Christ, was buried in Christ, and resurrected in Christ. When a believer understands this and has faith in that which Jesus has done, he then learns that the power of the sin nature is broken, with him now able to live and walk in victory as an overcomer. No need to fight the sin nature. You don't have to. We don't have to fight. We don't have to fight anything. The only fight we have is the fight of faith. Yes. Are you going to, each day today? Are you going to place your faith in Christ and what He did at the cross, or are you going to place it in something else? That's our fight on a daily basis, even moment by moment. That's our fight. Not, it's not a fight against you. There's nowhere in Scripture that you will see anywhere that it ever tells you to fight against sin. There's zero places. 
But the fight of faith yeah. is what we're called to fight. And Paul says it's a good fight. Yeah. I, we kind of talked about it this morning. Not, not necessarily that, but it reminds me about it this morning. In the message that we had this morning, talking about kind of just the Lord's Prayer at the very beginning and just praise, praising the Lord and all the benefits of Calvary. Why is it a good fight? Well, as we travel through it this morning, it just kind of makes you a little happy. <laughs> and if you go through every benefit that you have in Christ, you get kind of happy. I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But <laughs> if I go through those benefits and see everything that Christ has died to give me, and I never had to work for it or anything, yeah. and, and all I have to do is just believe that what he did was enough, uh, that's enough to make me say amen. And shout and jump and get happy. I was getting really happy this morning. <laughs> Before Paul knew this, he was constantly trying to gain victories and trying to be an overcomer, actually attempting to fight battles all over again, which Jesus had already fought and won. He was frustrating the grace of God. And the truth is, sad to say, we do the same thing. Yes. God, Jesus has already defeated sin, but yet we turn around and try to fight. But it's already defeated in Christ. Jesus has already won the, the war, but yet we try to fight. The, skirmishes. Yeah, skirmishes, yeah. Because the war's over, but we're still... We're trying to big fights that we ain't got no business. It's done. It's, it is finished. It's done. What if, what if at the end of uh, any of the world wars, what if at the end of World War II, the war is over with, but yet one nation kept fighting as though the war wasn't over? It would be you would look they would look foolish. <laughs> and it would probably cause harm to that nation because the other nations would be like, what in the world? And then they would just get attacked. That's but that's what we do as believers. The war's over. Yes. Put put the weapons down. The war's over. It's already been won. But yet we keep fighting. Like the war never ended. Where are Yeah. And just getting exhausted. Like, well, we gotta win. We gotta win. And we just, we can't do it. Yeah. One of my favorite things about which, in the whole scheme of things, I guess it is a little weird that this is my favorite, but, uh, is when it talks about the second coming of Christ, uh, coming back in the battle of Armageddon happens after the second coming of Christ. And it says that those that were saved during the church age that were taken away, you know, those that were saved, they're going to come back with him and we're going to ride white horses. And that's like, man, praise God. But first of all, I've never ridden a horse in my life, so this is going to be awesome. <laughs> okay, this is going to be sweet. I won't even be scared right now. I'm a little, I'm a little scared around horses. I feel like any animal that's larger than me, me, me. So I get a little worried. Uh, and even those that are smaller than me that could bite me, I get worried. So I, I'm a chicken, if you didn't know. I, I am a huge 
chicken. I'm scared of like almost everything. But so this is going to be cool. I'm going to ride a horse. He'll be white, and I won't even be afraid. That's going to be awesome. But a lot of times we it, it says that he returns and we're with him, and then the battle for again happens. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be fighting. No, no, no. You ain't fighting nothing. We just going to be there watching. He's going to fight every. He's going to do everything. He's going to win the whole war by himself. We just going to look. I'm just going to Brother Tanner going to look good on a white horse while Jesus is whipping everybody. And I don't have to do anything. That's my favorite. Yeah. Hang on. Second coming, and there's a bunch that are great. Yeah. I get I get moved to tears every time that I <laughs> every time that I think about every time I think about Israel accepting Christ yes. as the Messiah. Yes. You can ask my wife. I I'll, I'll the water work. I'll just cry. Yeah. Either cry or just have to stop because it it just touches me. That their reaction and the way things play out there. Yeah. He shows up and he, he will forever bear the wounds of Calvary. Yeah. Because, and that alone, the fact that he chose to forever bear the marks of the cross to tell us how important it really is. Yes. And they see it. And they. They ask him, where did you get those wounds? And his response is in the house of my friends. Because Israel crucified their Messiah. And then they accept him. Now that's beautiful. But yet, my favorite part it's the fact that I'm going to be on a white horse and I won't have to fight because he's already won. Yeah. Why don't we act like that in our Christian walk? We, we're ready to fight because we've got to fight because I've got to be holy. He's already made you holy. Yes. I've got to be righteous. He's already made you righteous yes. in himself. Yes. The thing that pleases God more than anything else is not how much you're willing to sacrifice. Right. It's your faith. Right. It's impossible to please God without faith. Yeah. Religious people all over the world are willing to sacrifice anything and everything for godliness. Yeah. But God wants faith. Mm -hmm. The truth is, just walking by faith is actually harder. Yeah. 
Because if I'm willing to sacrifice things, the truth is it actually makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. It appeals to the flesh. It appeals to pride. And this is the next thing that happens. I'm willing to not eat for 30 days. How come you can't do that? Mm. But whether you eat or don't eat for 30 days doesn't make you any more righteous. Because it's the same righteousness that we all have in Christ Jesus. And if the Lord calls you to a 30 day fast and you're obedient to that, praise God. Obey. Do it. He'll help you. And you'll be blessed. And fasting is scriptural. But if you think it makes you more righteous, then it's unscriptural. See, that's a difference. If you think pray, prayer is scriptural, if you think prayer gives you victory over something, then you've made it unscriptural. Yes. You made it a law. You've turned something that's godly and scriptural to something unscriptural. You tried to use a spoon to cut a steak. You use prayer for something God never intended for it to be used for. That's right. So when you don't see the victory, you're like, man, what the heck? This, is, this doesn't work. Well, you're right. It doesn't work for that. <laughs> Congratulations. You've made a correct <laughs> analysis. Yeah, observation. And you're right. It doesn't work for that because it's not scriptural for it to work for that. Yes. Prayer is scriptural, but not for that. Someone would look really foolish always trying to cut their steak with a spoon. You would be like, this poor soul, do you need a knife? <laughs> That's not going to work. Christians all over the world. Yeah. Look like that, but obviously not with a steak, but with all kind of different things that God hasn't, is they're not ordained for that. Yeah. And they have their place in Christianity. And for the way for you to really experience the blessing of prayer, I would encourage you to use it the right way. Yeah. If you use it the right way, huh. well, another thing we talked about this morning, prayer with the cross as its center point. When your prayer is a cross-centered prayer, I'm telling you right now, you'll be so blessed by the time you're done, you'll be thinking, why the heck did I ever pray anyway else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said it before with the Lord's Prayer pattern. I feel like I'm throwing darts at a dartboard and I'm hitting the bullseye every single time. I'm, whenever I'm done, I'm 100,000% confident that I just prayed the will of God and He's going to answer everything that I just asked. That's right. Yeah. Because I'm praying His will. Yeah. I'm not praying my will. I'm not praying, Lord, give me this, give me that. No, no, no. I'm praying the Lord's will. Just traveling through the Lord's prayer. And like we talked about, at the by the time I get through with our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, I'm ready to run around the house. <laughs> because I can feel the presence of the Lord all over me. Because I've just gone through the benefits of Calvary. And I'm already feeling like a bottle rocket about to shoot off in outer space. Because the Holy Spirit's making every benefit real to me. Mm -hmm. 
that that's before I even pray the rest. (laughs) So I'm get that puts me in the right frame of mind, and I'm in the I'm in the presence of God. I feel like I'm right there in the throne room of grace. And I'm just standing under a waterfall of his presence. Every single time that I pray, throwing darts at the dartboard, I'm hitting the bullseye. Every time. Yeah. After that, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, I've just gone through the benefits of Calvary. I trust him with my whole life. <laughs> Whatever you need, Lord, let your will be done. If the, Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Not my will, but your will be done. Shake every kingdom that can be shaken. If there's something in my life that's not your will for me, take it out. I'm praying the, I'm praying the Lord's will with boldness because I've traveled through the benefits of Calvary, so I trust Him with my life. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, whatever you desire for me to have. And I'll tell you right now, poverty is not God's will for any of His children. If Poverty does not bring glory to God. Poverty came about because of the fall. There was no poverty before the fall. Adam and Eve had it pretty good in the garden. (laughs) There was no poverty. But for whatever, there's a mindset in Christianity that poverty is what God wants from us. Because that makes us humble. But yet, poverty brings zero glory to God. What God wants is for you to have your faith in the right object. Christ and the cross. And He has things He wants to give you. Me and Sarah talked about this a few times. I think everyone said this morning. When you have your object of faith right, the Lord can open up the windows of heaven. Because when He pours it out, you won't make it an idol. You won't make it a God. You won't shape your life to chase it down. You'll still be chasing down Jesus. You'll be chasing down Jesus and everything else is just lanya. I know I said that word this morning. That's not one you use all the time. It's extra. Extra. I have a great job that I love. I, I love going to work every day. But not one time do I get up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for my great job. Because I got it like that and I can lose it like that. Yes. Yes. I can't stand with my left hand, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but the cross. Yes. I can praise you every moment of the day for Calvary. Yes. If I lost my job, I would come teach this class and not be any different. I, that's a bold statement, but... I've experienced what it's like to only have the cross. Yes. So everything else. <laughs> love my job. If it left, I'll still be just as happy. Yes. Because my happiness doesn't come from that's it. Yeah. Right. My joy doesn't come from things that do or don't happen. They come from a rock. Yes. Name Jesus. Yes. Right. Yes. 
and he follows me everywhere that I go. Yes. Everywhere I go. Job or no job. Yes. I can work at McDonald's. I can work a horrible job. And I can still have the same joy if my object of faith is right. That is good news. Because yes, you won't always have the best job in the world. <laughs> Just throw that out there. You always have the car that you want, the life that you want, the health that you want, the kids that you want. Sorry, Mom. Sorry. <laughs> the house that you want. Just not going to happen. Life just happens that way sometimes. But you can have the same joy. Yes. Whether you got your dream house or a cardboard box. It sounds crazy, but... And I pray that no one has to experience that. Just to be able to have the same joy. Be consistent. Dead. Flatline. That's consistency. Crucified with Christ. That's the most consistent Christian life that you can have because you just flatline. Man, nothing seems to really move you. Whether things are great or bad, you still seem like the same. You're just loving Jesus and you're just happy all the time. That's because I'm dead, brother. Flatline. When you're alive, it's, it's up and the peaks, valleys, peaks, valleys. I used to live like that. Let some good happen to me. Oh, I'm peaking. I praise God. He's so good. Let my world fall apart. God hates me. <laughs> God hates me. God's not for me. I must have sinned and done something. You got sin in your heart 24-7. Yeah. If God was ready to strike you down with a lightning bolt every time you sin, you wouldn't be here. You got you got sin in your heart you don't even know about yet. God knows it's there. And then He's gonna bring that refiner's fire. Yes, thank you. And then it'll come to the top and just scoop that right off. But we didn't know it's there. You can look at a piece of gold and it can have all kind of bad stuff on the inside, and you wouldn't even really know until you heat it up. And then, same thing with us. But I used to live like that on a daily basis. I was miserable. Yeah. I mean, miserable. There were months that I thought God just didn't even know I existed. <laughs> just hated me with a passion. I thought He was totally against me. I, this is how I thought. I don't know how you think. This is how I thought. This is how I was living my life on a daily basis. God hates me. Everything was bad. It was always raining on me. There was a cloud that followed me, and it wasn't a good one. <laughs> Storming 24 7. I had no umbrella. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I lived. And then something good happened one day. I might have a good day. Oh, man. It's a good day today. And then tomorrow, unless, you know, some great thing happens, I'm right back just moping around. I was annoying. If I would have met myself, I would have been super annoyed with myself. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't know. I didn't know the message of the cross. I had no idea about the object of faith. And I definitely didn't know how I played a part in that part of the Christian walk. Yeah. Until God showed me. Blew my mind. And now, the only person that gets a little annoyed with me sometimes is my wife. If I start singing at 5 a.m. in the morning and she's just trying to sleep a little bit before she has to go to work. <laughs> my whole life changed. Yeah. If somebody doesn't wave to me or say hi, I could care less. Because I don't, I don't need you to recognize me. I don't even need you to like me. I care about what the Lord thinks about me. Yeah. Some people just not going to like you. But when we're so self-focused, we worry about what everybody thinks about me. What they think about me. Do they like me? Well, Sister Big Hair didn't even say hey to me. And I came to the church house today. She must hate us. She, I knew she had it out. Again. She didn't like me from the moment we came to this church. She never said hey to me. Maybe she's just busy. Maybe she got other things on her mind. Maybe she's going through a trial right now so hard that she's hard to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. But you so me, me, me. Yeah. My life's all about me. Mm -hmm. How come they don't recognize me? How come they don't promote me? Mm -hmm. How come they didn't give me that position? How come they didn't make me the lead singer? Come on. I know how to add it. I heard the singer. I heard the Adam sings probably a little, a little bit like my dad, which is a little oh. rough. <laughs> well, you said that about Brother Bob this morning. Yeah, Brother Bobby. You said he halfway sung. Yeah, halfway sung. Halfway sung. <laughs> I sing just like this, just louder. I carry it out a little bit. It's all about us. Me, 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 me. Yeah. Instead of, Lord, what do you want? Lord, I care what you think. Yeah. Lord, if that's not the position you have for me, I don't even want. I want what you want. And, and he has the perfect place for each one of us. The perfect place. We're not all going to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, lead singers. What if you just, what if you just adore career? See, David was king. But he said, just to be a greeter in the house of the Lord, basically. <laughs> Just to be in his presence yes. is what I really want. Oh, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. But we have to die first. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's just all about us. Mm -hmm. Paul found himself attempting to keep the law, the moral law, within his own power and strength, which he was unable to do.
Okay, the next part, sir. Is the law sin? God forbid. This is asked because of the manner in which Paul has repeatedly addressed the law. In effect, he is posing the question, what shall we say then to the fact that the desires or impulses in the evil nature in me were stirred into activity by the law? So the law is presented to his heart and his life. And when that happened, the evil nature is brought back to life. The sin nature is revived and begins to... Remember the swimming pool example I gave you? That the sin nature is like a sewer pipe running into a swimming pool. A swimming pool is just, it's just a vessel, basically. That swimming pool is our heart. And when the sin nature is raining, the valve of that sewer pipe is open. And it's just dumping raw sewage. It's dumping corruption into a pool. The sin nature dumps corruption into our heart when it is revived or alive. When you got saved and you put your, you placed your faith in Christ and the cross, the Holy Spirit came and sh shut that valve. So there's no longer raw sewage being dumped into the swimming pool or no longer corruption being dumped into your heart. But the swimming pool isn't immediately clean. There's a process of cleaning the swimming pool. Welcome to sanctification. <laughs> you have a sewage infested swimming pool and the Holy Spirit has to clean that up <laughs> and it's not with a magic eraser like boom that's right. yeah, that's true. just because we see things in us doesn't mean the sin nature is raining again yeah. that's just corruption that's already been dumped in wrong thought processes that have already been dumped in by the sin nature one of the examples is how it's always about me. That's already been dumped in by the sin nature. So sometimes we just act that way sometimes. My wife ate one of my Slim Jims. And I'm, I'm a huge Slim Jim. Well, I love Slim Jim. <laughs> and my first reaction is kind of like, it's a box of 28 and she eats one. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that didn't that reaction that just that didn't mean the sin nature was raining. It was just a reaction because it already had corruption there already. They said, "But those are mine." Selfishness. Selfishness. <laughs> Nine two because he acted like that. <laughs> Selfish. Selfish. I did, I took two. Selfishness. But it didn't mean the sin nature was raining. It just Yeah. Because before your whole life was just all about you. Your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, what's best for you. I want this friend and not this friend because this friend's good for me. I don't want that friend because they make me feel less. I mean, um, mm -hmm. Because they're mean. <laughs> but that's really how we live our We may never admit it. But that's really, it's just about me. This friend, this person supports me in my life goals, so they're a good friend. This person doesn't. Even though that person may be actually more loving because they're actually interested in your well-being. Not just if you get your feelings hurt. Yeah. But,
when you are dominated by the sin nature. They don't, they're not interested in building my kingdom. So they're a bad friend. And some of that is already in us. Even after we get saved. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> after we get saved. Well, this is the best church for me. Because I got a chance to get promoted real fast. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about the same person here. But that's a thought process that's already there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of, well, what church do you want me to go to? That's right. Well, that pastor said something that hurt my feelings, so I'm out of here. Then you'll never find a church home that preaches the true gospel. Because somebody can say the pastor won't say something that hurts your feelings unless you're Jesus Christ, who is perfect. You aren't, so. Something's going to get said that's going to rub me the wrong way. We got infant Christians. All over the place. That we just can't take anything like that. Yeah. Because we're not mature, we're still babies. Mm-hmm. And we still need milk. Okay, y'all okay. <laughs> He said, God forbid, which presents Paul's answer. This condition of man is not caused by the law of God, but rather exposed. The law brought out what was already in man's heart, exposed it to the light of day, showing what man really was. As mankind, we're already sinful. The law just simply shows us how sinful we really are. Because the law is the perfect righteousness of God. The law shows us what God is. Before Christ came, the law showed us what God really is. God does not covet. God does not lie. God does not steal. All you can just, you know, we go down the it. It was a it was a picture of the character of God. And it says, This is God before Christ. This is God. And what man found was that they couldn't measure up to that. Yeah, Yeah, we fell. (laughs) But we're so prideful that we won't admit it. So that's why God gave the law. Because mankind was so prideful that we wouldn't even admit that we were messed up. So the law came to show us how far we had fallen. Don't steal. Oh, pretty simple. See, pretty simple. But yeah, if you want something bad enough, and even if you don't steal it, you've already committed covetousness. Because mm-hmm. yeah, sure. you want something that don't belong. We didn't just fall a little bit. Yeah. We're not even close. Yeah. At all. But we just don't easily admit that because to be honest, it, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts to say 
Dude, I am messed up. Especially as a born again believer. We'd rather look at people in the world and say how much better we are than them. And how we don't sin like they do. But it, it, it kind of punches you right in the face when you say, I could be just like them, if not for the grace of God. Yeah, that's right. And I don't mean just words. I'm talking about, you mean it. You've seen it. <laughs> that dude, I am wicked. I'm messed up. I really am selfish. It really is all about me at times. We're not perfect. We all go through the same sanctification process. Yeah. We need the same grace. And you know what? It's sufficient yes. for each one of us. We may have we, we may have we may have different struggles and different things, but not we all have the same righteousness in Christ. Yes. That's right. Right. I'm just as righteous as Sarah in Christ. Not because I do anything better than her or don't do something that she does or vice versa. Right. But we're both in Christ. She has a white robe of righteousness that she's received from Christ. Yes. Just by believing in Him, and I got the same white robe. Yes, amen. Mine is not whiter. <laughs> More white. I don't even know a proper English. You're right. Why does it matter? The same. Yeah, but Sarah struggled with gossip. So, so what? She does. And the Holy Spirit is well able to deal with her about that. And he may even be dealing with her about it right now. And she just hasn't seen the victory in her life yet. But what about in your life? I mean, what if I... Maybe I just view gossip as a horrible thing, but yet I don't necessarily view covetousness as that big a deal because I don't actually carry it out whereas she carries out her gossip. If you're guilty at one point in the law, you're guilty of the whole thing, which means you're worthy of the penalty, which is death. The Lord's trying to give her victory over that, the same as He wants to give me victory over, I think. Mm-hmm. But the answer is exactly the same. Christ already did. Yes. And we both walking in the same thing. But we we look at each other. Sometimes we have less compassion and grace for a fellow brother or sister in Christ than we do for a prostitute. Yeah, we do. With a prostitute, we just well, they're lost. But someone who's saved, born again, and then they blow it, they bite off a big piece of stupid, do something dumb, we're ready to crucify them. Yes, we are. And throw them out. Can't believe you would do that, brother, sister. (laughs) They they might not even be saved. It's all a lie. If theirs is a lie, then yours must be too. Maybe nobody saw your failure. Come on. Well, just the fact that you can look at somebody else like that and you got a lot of pride yeah. in you. I'll tell you one of the things. One of the very first things I noticed 
was, if I recognize something in somebody else's heart and life, it's because I got it in my own heart. <laughs> like, well, they, they're selfish. Well, how'd you see that? Well, I mean, because I'm kind of like that too. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth, though. We, we, right. If you seen it in somebody else, it's because you know what it looks like in your own self. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. The law defines what sin actually was. The law did not originate sin or institute sin. All it does is expose sin. That is what it was designed to do. That's what God designed the law to do, to expose sin that's already in our hearts. The law of Moses was very clearly and plainly portrayed the reality of sin, which was already present and as well succinctly defined it it's kind of like if you i remember the first time i uh what's that black sad stuff yeah when you had like a a bad infection or something but you couldn't necessarily you know you couldn't see the infection it was actually under the skin and you put that you put that black nonsense you put that. <laughs> you put, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, You put that. You put it on there, and it draw the infection out to where it could be seen. The law is just like that salve. The corruption's already in our heart. The infection is already there. The infection of sin has already been in your heart. And the law acts like that black salve. And brings it to the surface and says, hey, that, that's covetousness. That's sin. Mm-hmm. And not only does it bring it to the surface, it now tells me which sin against God I'm actually committing. Yeah. Because yeah. all sin is against God. Yeah. That's why David sins with Bathsheba. Yeah. Gets her husband killed, lies. Mm-hmm. And at the end of when he repents, he repents to God. Yeah. He said, I sinned against you. Like, yeah, but he killed it. But all sin is against God. It does hurt our fellow man, but it's all against God. And your fellow man won't forgive you all the time, but God will. Yeah. Thank God for that. So that is... Uh, that's a good way to help me understand the law, at least, is like that black sad. Yeah, yeah that stuff. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it just draws it to the surface. Yes. It didn't it didn't create the infection. Mm-hmm. The infection was already there. Mm-hmm. It just revealed it. But it's useful because it can be cleaned once it's drawn to the surface. The law does have a proper place. That's what Paul said, to use it lawfully. Use the law lawfully, the way God intended for it to be used. Yeah. I've said it before, if I was going to go preach to a bunch of people I knew who weren't saved, I'd preach the hardest law message that I could possibly preach. I would just go through the Ten Commandments and say, if, you did, if you've done one of these, even in thought, you're worthy of death. But I give him the answer, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. But the law is what actually 
shows you, oh gosh, I need to be saved. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next part. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. Tells us that the desire for what is forbidden is the first conscious form of sin. Paul is saying that the consciousness of sin awoke in him in the shape of a conflict with a prohibitive law. In other words, the law defined a covetous passion in Paul's heart. He wanted or lusted for something which belonged to someone else or something which was not right with the law telling him and all others for that matter what type of sin that he or they were now committing. Now I said this, I gave this example before, I can't claim it as my own, totally heard it from someone else. Brilliant example though, to show what law actually does and how not just to an unsaved person but even someone that's saved. Baptized with the Holy Spirit and loves the Lord with all of their heart. I'm going to go away for two weeks. This is my house. Sorry, brother. This is my house. <laughs> for the example. <laughs> this is my house. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And I just want you to house it for me, basically. You can use the kitchen. You can use everything that you want. I, they got the fireplace with not real wood. Uh... <laughs> But if it was, I got wood stacked outside for you that you could use. You have access to the television. You can use, you can watch all the channels that you want, whatever you want. It's all yours. Everything. You can use the, you can cook whatever you want. You can even use the grill, the yard. I don't even care if you bring people over and just have a good time. And then as I'm walking out the door, I stop. And I say, oh, wait, 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 wait. There's just one, there's just one thing. Uh, see that room over there with the door closed? Just whatever you do, don't go into that room. Just don't. Just you just you can't go into that room. Whatever you do, don't go into that room. Everything else is good, but that one room, you cannot go into that room. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, bye, have a good time. But the moment I hit the end of the driveway, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what just happened? And we're all saved. <laughs> we're all saved. Yeah. Born again. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> that law. What that law did. Was yeah. brought the sin nature back to life. Yeah. 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 It gave the sin nature a base of operations. Yeah. It said. Don't go into the room. With the closed door. And the sin nature said, Rebel! <laughs> the, and it's, the, you literally have a craving on the inside. I've got to go see what is in that room. And your mind will lie to you. They probably have baby giraffes in there. And he doesn't want me to know. You'll you make up all kind of, your head, your imagination will tell you all the things that are in there that you miss he has he probably has a sweet water slide in there <laughs> but yet I'm giving you you don't you don't even care about all the things that I've given you access to you got a legit top of the line kitchen in there what's in the door 
<laughs> you got a free stock with all, and, and this is the sound. We all love to eat. You got a fridge. Every the pantry stock, the fridge is stocked. They got a freezer in another room that's loaded up. You can have all of that. You can have. You can cook a feast and spread it out, and you can care less. The only thing that you care about is what is in the room. <laughs> what is in there? It's got to be good. I'm missing out on something. He probably has a whole flock of pink flamingos in there that I could be having a good time with. But he locked the door and I can't, I can't go in there. And the sin nature is back to life. Yeah. Yeah. And it just starts with there. Yeah. But it accelerates because when the sin nature is revived, the valve of that sewer pipe is open again. Yeah. And raw sewage corruption is being dumped into your heart. Right. Now, if you're a born-again believer and it's been shut off and you've seen the Holy Spirit clean a few things out of the swimming pool, and then the sin nature revives, you want to talk about being confusing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Man, just... Man, I've seen this fall off. I've seen this fall off. I've seen this fall I was delivered from this, 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 this. And then Brother Kenny over here came and put a law on me. And I accepted it. And then now, not only am I doing this, 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 and this that God wants to deliver me from, I'm also doing other things I didn't even do before I was saved. Yeah. Worse. Yeah. Worse. Worse. Confusing. Yeah. yeah. And your cry, your heart is rent in two because you don't know what you're saying. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck? I love going with all my heart. But I don't understand what's happening. And that's really what Paul was experiencing in Romans 7. Mm -hmm. I said, don't go in that room. He can't. That's the only thing he can't do. And the first thing that you want to do is go check out the room. Because that's what law does. That law brought up the wickedness in your heart. But before I gave you that law, all of that same wickedness was still there. Yeah, you're right. But it was dead. It was silenced. And you just... If I never said that, you would be like... And you would just live in this house and from Probably week to week. And you'd, have, you'd, be like, you'd be like, oh, that's a cool door, whatever. <laughs> you could care less. In Christ, we have a whole house of grace. We can, everything is at our disposal. But a law comes and robs you of that grace. And you forfeit it. Yeah. You forfeit all of the things that you have in Christ 
for an attempt to keep a law. But before you had so much freedom, you had joy every day. You were living more abundant life in Christ. Every day you woke up and you were you were just so you, you knew that you had the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you were walking with him daily, that he loved you with all of his heart and you loved him with all of your heart. And that he wanted to commune with you daily, walk with you, talk with you, reveal things to you about Christ, even about his plan for your life. He just doing all these things and all the corruption is still there and he knows it, but you don't. But you're, you're having the greatest time of your life. Praise God, he loved me so much. And you're seeing things about Christ that you've never seen before in your life. Yeah. You got joy every day, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Every day that you get up, you can't you can't wait to talk to him. And then the law comes and says, if you want to be right with God, you got to do this. We've got to keep the Ten Commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you say, oh, we should. Now we should. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. And we need to do that. So then we set out to do that. And what we find is the corruption in our heart is alive now. And the only thing that we find is our inability to love our neighbor yeah. as ourselves. And through that, we now feel condemnation. Because we don't measure up to the righteousness of God. Well, the only time that you did measure up was when you accepted the imputed righteousness of God that you had in Christ. You see how we're deceived because it seems right and good. That Paul goes on to basically talk about that. The next verse, but sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, evil desire. We I pretty much explained that, so to go through that and read all the notes would kind of be silly. Because I I just taught you that. Just minus the note part. <laughs> There's three definitions there. Occasion, wrought, and concupiscence. Occasion to make a start from a place. i basically explain that. A starting place, a base of operations, the means of which one begins. Wrought means to accomplish, achieve an end, carry something to a conclusion, which would have been you actually entering the room. Concupiscence is evil desire. You have the desire to enter the room. <laughs> so basically what it says is we have the sin nature making a starting point by the commandment which was introduced and it accomplished in me and through my members to a conclusion all the evil desires. Just, well, how did that happen? Just one law. One law and all of that happened. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's confusing. That can be confusing. Explaining it out Kind of helps, but it's still like, what? So it says, for without the law, sin was dead, which I, I basically explained that. Before the commandment came, all of that stuff, all of that junk was in your heart. <laughs> but the commandment brought it to the surface. But it was still there before, but it was dead. 
It was silent. It didn't mean it wasn't there. It was silent. Before I said, don't go in that room. You was happy as could be. You, you like my Aunt said. You wouldn't even care what was in the room. Never would even cross your mind what was in that room. You would, I don't know, I mean, I would have <laughs> But just from that one, and that's the only thing, one ball. Yeah. <laughs> because it was already there. Verse 9 says, For I was alive without the law once. This has a double meaning. Which I basically went through this as well. I kind of explained this as well. Uh, but I, I, I like, I'm going to go through these notes because I like the way that it helps to see it in the garden as well. Uh, it has a double meaning. Paul is speaking, the first one is Paul is speaking of himself and of the time of his conversion. The law had absolutely nothing to do with Paul's conversion. It played no part in that which Jesus did for him in the matter of redemption or anything else. At the moment of his conversion, he became spiritually alive unto God because of his acceptance of Jesus Christ. It had nothing to do with the law. It was just placing his faith in Christ on the cross. And he became spiritually alive unto God. He could feel the presence of God. He could walk with him. He could talk with him. All of these things. He felt all of that, not from doing, but from believing in Christ and the cross. So the law played no part. The second point is after Adam's creation and before the commandment came concerning his not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was no law of any kind whatsoever. So before the law that said, don't eat of the tree, don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, there was no law. During that time, Adam and Eve were alive unto God. They walked with him in the cool of the day, every day. They had relationship with God. And they enjoyed a state of bliss. The tree always existed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But that's in the garden. Doesn't that help you see that wow. the tree was always there? Yeah. But it wasn't until the commandment came, mm -hmm. don't eat of that tree, mm -hmm. that Satan had something to attack them with. Because before, if the tree did not get planted, like, you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. it was there. Yeah. Just like the tree of life was there. It, it was there. Yeah. The whole time. It says, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. This also has a double meaning and it does the same way. Paul was alive unto God. He had abundant life in Christ that he had never experienced before. Then the moral law came into the picture through a temptation and Paul focused, Paul's focus moved from Christ and the cross to keeping the commandment. And by doing this, the sin nature revived and he found he was unable to keep the commandment and the penalty is death or separation from God. Paul was no longer experiencing abundant life in Christ. 
He forfeited that for law keeping, which he only found death there due to his inability to keep the law and obey it. The word revived means to live again. It speaks of the sin nature coming alive once again, giving the same trouble it did before Paul was saved. That's an, an ugly picture. The second, as we go back to the garden, only one commandment was given to Adam. However, sin profited by that one commandment and used it as a point of attack, deceived Adam, and so slew him. For in that hour, he died morally. Same thing for us. One commandment. Don't go in the room. Mm -hmm. That one commandment robbed you of all the goodness in this house. Mm -hmm. Because you were totally consumed with that one room. Mm -hmm. The law affects us that way. It's the way that God has set it up. It's weird. It's kind of weird. I'll admit it doesn't always make sense to our human minds, but we, we're, we're not God. He is all wisdom and we are not. <laughs> we are none. Zero wisdom seems like. His ways are higher than our ways. He knew what we needed. And he knew that the most important thing, one of the things that we needed more than anything else was to see how corrupt we really were. How wicked we really are. That's the only thing that gets you to cry out for a savior. Yeah. That's true. Uh, we could probably zoom through these next two verses. So, And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. So we pretty much summed a lot of this up. The commandment comes and it's ordained to life. It promises life. The Ten Commandments, if you keep them, promise life. But you don't find life, you find death because you can't keep them. Love your neighbor as yourself promises life if you do it. Problem is, you can't. The only thing that you will find is your inability to do it. Through your inability to do it, you experience death, condemnation. God's not pleased with me now. Yeah. He was pleased with you because of your faith. That's one of the things that touched me more than anything. It seems like when I was in Bible college, I had just blown it. I just failed the Lord. I sinned. And I had to go to work. I was working in the library. And I was crushed. My heart was broken. I was crushed. I didn't want, I don't want to sin. I love the Lord. I want to be like Christ. But I had sinned. I failed. I did something stupid. It was horrible. <laughs> I was so crushed. And I went into the library and it, it, nobody was really in there. And I remember going into a back room. It was dark. I could kind of hide out for a little bit. And I wept bitterly on the floor. And I, I was so crushed that honestly, I didn't have much thought process going on. I was just broken. I said, Lord, I just want to be pleasing to you. Because the way that I viewed it was, by sinning, I'm not pleasing to God. Lord, I just want to be pleasing to you. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, Son, your faith 
is what pleases me. Joy filled my heart like that. I knew I was forgiven because what he was talking about was faith in the finished work of Calvary. Well, the finished work of Calvary says that my sins are gone. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. They're underneath the blood. On the cross of Calvary. They're gone. Now I'm already the burden is already lifting. You mean? It's like it never happened. It's like it because I didn't want it to happen. <laughs> so this is good news. <laughs> it's like you You have the perfect righteousness of Christ. I view you as though you are Christ. Because um, you're in Him. What? <laughs> but I just... But now you're saying... Just because I believe you. That the finished work of Calvary was enough. Boop, burden, gone. And instead of weeping bitterly on the floor, I'm crying happy tears. Grace. That's the power of grace. But that 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 first phrase hit me so on. Lord, I just want to be pleasing to you. Son, your faith is what pleases me. That's when I'm, that's when your when your faith is right, that's when you're pleasing to me. Son, what he could have just said, boy, you've been pleasing me. You stumble. But if your faith is still right, get up. Get up. You're gonna stumble, you're gonna blow it, you're gonna bite off big pieces of stupid all the time. It's gonna happen. You're gonna bust your face. But because of what Christ has done, we can get up. You didn't lose that robe of righteousness because you failed. Still got the same robe of righteousness. Keep believing. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep believing that what he has done is enough. Yeah, but I blew it. Get up. Keep believing that what he's done is enough. Your sins are gone. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. And they're washed away as though they've never happened. And he won't bring them up again. Somebody else may bring it up. But he won't be bringing it up. Who shall deliver any charge against those that are his own? You're in Christ Jesus. Covered by the blood of the Lamb. The sin has been washed away. Let it go. We're so fast to pick our sin right back up. Thank you, Lord. But I did do it and I need to do better. So I need to not do that. So I'm going to institute this law so that I don't do that. Put it all down. Lay those heavy burdens down. And just take up the cross. Lay the heavy burden down. Your own efforts. All of these things. The sin. Just lay it down at Calvary. And take up your cross. 
and you'll find it's pretty, it's not that bad. <laughs> his, his yoke is light yes. and easy because he already did the work. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. That's right. You just get to ride on that white horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get through it. For sin, taking occasion, verse 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. We've talked about this, so there's no need to even expound on that. We, now this is what I'm talking about now. We are cruising. Lay those heavy burdens down. Don't pick up those failures. Let them go. Let them go. You failed. Welcome. Welcome to Christianity. <laughs> Welcome to being a human being who is not perfect. We're weak. You're going to fail. You're going to blow it. You're going to make the wrong choice. You're going to react the wrong way. If Sarah eats another Slim Jim, I'll probably react the same way. But eventually, one day, if I keep believing, if I keep believing, if I keep believing, fighting the good fight of faith, one day, she's going to take that Slim Jim and I'm going to say, baby, take the whole box. And then, when I didn't react the way that I normally did, I'm going to be like, Normally, I would. But I didn't have to try. Yeah. It just. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> because we'll just go buy another box. <laughs> I won't even want him if he does that. <laughs> the thing will fall off eventually. Yes. Just keep believing. Yes. Keep believing. Don't pick up those failures. Yeah. Let them let lay. You fail, you blew it, it's okay. Repent, it's forgiven. That's it. Okay. God's put it in the sea if it's forgetfulness. Amen. Do the same. Yeah. Let it stay there. Yes. That was a whole idea when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan. Yeah. They yeah. had to put stones at yeah. the bottom yeah. of the river. Yeah. And when the water closed, guess what you can't see? Yes. The stones. They buried it. See, forget for yeah. Yeah. Your failures, see, they've been buried in Christ, in the tomb. Leave them there. Yes. Just like those stones. Don't be going dig up what's dead. Leave it there. You might see the old man raised up sometime. Keep believing. That's right. And one day, it won't raise up. You won't react the way that you normally reacted before. You won't do the thing that you normally did before. You won't give in to that craving or that lust that you normally did before. But the only way to get to that point is to keep believing yeah. that what Jesus did is enough. Amen? Amen. Praise yes. God.